Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. All right, little audience participation time. Don't be too cool for school. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you've ever gotten a speeding ticket before. Holy cow, bunch of sinners, man. Awesome. Multiple speeding tickets? Don't be ashamed of it. Multiple? Three? three, Four? Five? We had a cat. Yeah, I know, right? Stay off the road. So uh, I got a speeding ticket when I moved to Winston uh, recently, unfamiliar with the area. That's why, of course. Um, it, was one of the <laughs> it was one of those places where, you know, now the speed limit will change. You know, it went from 55 to, to 45. It was on Silas Creek Parkway, and I didn't realize that it had changed. It changed really quick. I didn't realize that it had changed. And uh, I think the police officer was, like, right on the other side of the sign. It said 45, and um, so he pulled me over. And uh, I'm going to shoot you straight. I'm arguing my case, right? I'm, I'm telling him, as soon as he's, like, license registration, I'm like, hey, listen, it, I know I was going 55, but I believe it just changed. Like, it just changed. And so, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it just changed. I was, I was beginning to slow down. You didn't give me enough time to slow down. And uh, he said, uh, sir, do you know how far back it changed? I was like, not far. I know that. I'm kind of new to this area, but I don't know. And he told me the intersection in which it changed, which didn't mean anything to me. And he said, uh, it changed. It goes from 55 to 45 about eight miles back. And I was like, like I said, it just changed, right? Because I'm feeling him out, you know, because I'm, I'm starting to ask myself. Like, I'm looking at him. He's staring me down. I'm like, so is eight miles, is that within the grace range? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Or is this a warning or a ticket? Are we still joking? Or uh, are you serious about eight miles? Homeboy gave me a ticket, man, dropped a ticket on me. And uh, you guys know what it's like to get a ticket. I don't have to tell you. Getting a ticket is a hassle. Absolute hassle. So you're, you're worried. First of all, you're worried about what your wife's going to say when she finds out. That's the top worry right there. And then uh, second, you got to go to court. You have a court date. you got to pay court fees. You got Your insurance company is going to find out. And here's the deal about the court date. Uh, they give you a court day, but they do not give you a court time. Okay, So you got to be there at 8.30, and you may get seen at like 9 o'clock. You may get seen at 4.30. They may get to the end of the day and realize there was a bunch of criminals in front of you, and they're going to have to call you in the very next day. So you've got to take another day off. And he's like, really? I do not want to have to do it. It's such a hassle. And I know some of you judgmental people out there are thinking, well, you know what? If you obeyed the law, then you wouldn't be a hassle. Huh? Well, you know what? Nobody asked you, okay? <laughs> My story, but out of it. So I decided to call a lawyer. I was like, I'm not. I... I I don't want to go to court. I don't want to do this. I call a friend of mine's a lawyer, and I say, hey, man, I got a speeding ticket. And uh, came out of nowhere, man, just switched on me right quick. And I was trying to slow down, but I didn't make it in time. <laughs> I said, can you help me out? And uh, he said, yeah, just give me a copy of the ticket, and I'll take care of it. I said, how much is it going to cost me? He said, nothing. I'll take care of it. I said, do I need to go to court? He said, no, I'll take, I'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. And so, great. Gave him the, the ticket. I told him the same lie that I told the cop. I was like, I learned my lesson. I'll never do this again. Like, <laughs> oh, man, we've all done that. 
give it to him, and uh, I write the court date down on my calendar, and, and I never hear from him, and, and I call him the day after the court date, and I say, hey, man, how, how'd it go? What, what happened to the ticket? He said, what ticket? I say, man, I'm getting ready to go to prison, man, contempt of court. Now, I'm usually a any press is good press kind of pastor, but the pastor going to jail because he didn't show up for court, I don't know if that helps Revo or hurts it. Man, I surprise you, but like, I, don't, I, I want it to help us. And uh, I said, nah, for real, man. Did, wh- like, what happened to my ticket? And he said, what ticket? And then I finally caught on. Like, he was saying that basically I made the ticket disappear. Like, that ticket doesn't exist anymore. Like, I took care of it. Don't worry about it. You don't owe anything. You don't have to go to court. Your insurance is not going to find out. Like, I made it disappear. And uh, if you don't have a lawyer, you need to get one, man. You need to find one. <laughs> Those dudes are good. Good people to know. In the book of Job, uh, Job reaches a point in chapter 9 where he needs a lawyer. In fact, he says that out loud. He says, I wish I had a lawyer. Now, when I read that, I'm like, what did he do, right? This ought to be good. He he characterizes it and and summarizes it in chapter 9, verse 2, where he essentially asks this question. I believe that if you have never asked this question before, that eventually sometime in your life you will ask this question and you will wrestle with this idea and it's this this is the question that job asked he said how can a person be declared innocent in god's sight job said one day i'm going to stand in front of god and he was actually doing business with god because of the situation that he found himself in all of his friends were accusing him of a bunch of stuff that he didn't do but but even at that job knew he wasn't perfect and so he says man if if only i could just stand in front of god and plead my case here's here's what he says in in job chapter 9 verse 32 uh, he he's talking about god god is not a mere mortal like me that i might answer him that we might confront each other in court. If only there were someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me, the punishment for my sin, so that his terror would not frighten me anymore. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it now stands with me, I cannot. That word mediator, Job, please, if only there was a mediator, that's the word for lawyer or arbiter, if only there was someone that could stand between me and God, if only there was someone that could represent me. Like Job knows he can't just go knock on God's door and, and open it up and say, hey, God, would you, can you have time for a minute? Like, can we sit down and talk about some stuff and like, just, just hash it out? Like, you can't do that with God. You can't see God. We don't walk up to God's house and knock on his door and, and speak to him. And Job knows that. He's like, if only there was someone that could help me, someone that could be the middleman, someone that could connect these two. And the language that he uses is, if only there was someone that could bring the two parties together. We think about that term lawyer. We think about an arbiter. But, but also another thing that we think about is, is this, a translation is a translator. If only, Job's like, if only I had a translator. Because, like, you know, I don't speak to God and God doesn't verbally answer me. And so we're not on the same wavelength. We're not, we're not saying the same thing. If only there was someone that could translate. Uh, this morning at our 930 service, we had uh, Pastor Isaac in with us. He's at the North Campus uh, for the 11 o'clock. But Pastor Isaac is over all of the churches that we partner with and have planted in Cuba. And uh, he got up and, and spoke this morning a little bit and shared um, God's doing some incredible things uh, there. But uh, I can remember the first time that I ever went to Cuba. 
Um, I don't know Spanish. They speak Spanish there. I don't know Spanish. They don't know any English. And so I don't know if you've ever interacted with someone that doesn't speak the, the same language that you do, but we, we default to these two things. I don't know why we do this. I don't know who taught us this, but here's what happens when we run into people that don't speak the same language. We speak slower and we speak louder. Why do we do that? <laughs> right? If they don't know English, they don't know slow, loud English either, right? But I didn't know that, so we roll up into Cuba, and I'm introducing myself to people. I don't, they don't speak my language. I don't speak their language, but here's what I did. I'd go to them and say, my name is Nathan. I came over on the plane from the United States. And like I'm thinking, okay, that's north on a map, but they're like, Okay. I'm here to tell you about Jesus. Do you understand me? And he's got this weird look on his face. He's like, he's looking at me, but he's not saying anything. I'm like, all right, let me slow it down a little bit. Get a little bit louder. Maybe you'll understand. My name, me, Nathan, Nathan, came to tell you about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? And he's coming in for a hug. I'm like, no, 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 not, not hug. Jesus. Nathan. My name's Nathan. David uh, Roach, he's our uh, connection there. He, he pulled me aside. He's like, hey man, I, l- l- let me just give you a heads up. I want to help you out here. They're Cuban, but they are not deaf. Do you understand <laughs> the difference between those? Like they, they don't speak English, and so your loud, drawn-out southern English is no better for them, okay? Like you're embarrassing me, man. <laughs> I've done a lot of work here, and you're about to ruin it for me. And so he said, let me go get a translator. And we brought in one of the translators, so when we go over there, we have translators that roll with us. And here's what the translator did. It's it's the same language that that translates in this. When when Job says, I wish that there were someone that could bring us together, it, it literally translates into the English, I wish that someone would put a hand on my shoulder and a hand on the shoulder of God and bring us together. That translator put one shoulder, one hand on my shoulder, and he put one hand on this Cuban pastor's shoulder, and he said, now, Nathan, what do you want to say to him? So I began to tell him, and, and he translated into the Spanish, and he was like, ah. Oh. I was like, well, I said it twice, loud and slow. What, what do you mean, oh, making me look bad, right? And then he would say something, and the translator would translate it back to me. But apart from that, there's no way we could communicate. We don't speak the same language. Like we, It was just like plain, right? Nobody's getting anywhere with that. Job says, if only there was a, a translator, a a lawyer, a, a media, if, there was, if only there was someone that could stand in the middle, because otherwise I can't get to God. I can't, I can't stand in front of God. I can't, like, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? The thing I like about this question the most is this. This isn't a Christian question. This isn't a religious question. If you're here today and you don't go to church or you don't love Jesus or you're not, you're not on team Jesus, like, that's, a, first of all, we're so stoked that you're here. Thanks for crashing the party this morning and being our guest. But secondly, this isn't a question just for Christians. This isn't just, hey, if you're on our team, then this is a question that you ask, but everybody else you don't ask. Because, I mean, let's be honest. If God was real, let's just, if, if God was real, don't you think you've probably broken his rules at least once? If if God is the real deal, don't, don't you think that you've probably made some mistakes over your life on earth, that maybe, just possibly, you haven't lived up to the standard. 
that he said. And maybe, just maybe, let's just assume, like, maybe God is real. Don't you think that one day you're going to stand in front of him? I mean, if God's real, you die one day, you're going to stand in front of the creator and judge of the world, right? So, like, what, what are you going to say? How, how are you going to try to convince the God of the universe, the creator of the world that knows everything that you've ever done, good, bad, and ugly, how are you going to try to convince him that you are innocent? That, that God, you should look at, at my life with favor, and you should allow me to go to heaven, and you should keep me out of hell, and you should let me be with you forever, and here's why. Like, what, would you, what would you say to that? How do you argue that? And Job's wrestling with that question. If, if you've never answered or asked that question of yourself, maybe it hasn't happened yet, but I, I believe one day, maybe after you die, when you find yourself standing in front of God, that you'll begin to think about that. And Job says, how does a man stand in front of God and prove his own innocence? How, how can man and God come together? How is this relationship possible? How, how can it ever work out? Like, what's, what's the deal? And there are a lot of different solutions that, that people come up with. What happens when I die? What's going to be said? Like, how do I know that I know where I'm going to go after I die? Like, how do I know? Like, when you ask people, are you, if you die and you go to heaven, like, how do you know that you do that? How do you, how do you know what the future holds? And there's a lot of different solutions that people will oftentimes offer when they're confronted with that question of, how does a man prove his innocence before a holy God? You may have heard some of these before. Job heard all of these from, from his friends. But here, here are three big things that people are counting on today. Maybe this is you. Maybe you're counting on one of these three things, or maybe like a mixture of all three of these things to prove your innocence in front of God, to maybe one day stand in front of God and say, because of these things, I'm good. Accept me. Love me. Let me in. Don't keep me separated from you for eternity. And the first thing is this. The, maybe one of the most common is this, being good. You ask some people, how are you going to prove your innocence in front of God? They're going to say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm being good now. So here's what some people believe, that we do a bunch of good things in our life, and then we make some mistakes. We do some bad things in our life, right? But, but here's the deal. There's going to be a huge supernatural scale, right, in front of God, and God's going to pile all your junk and your bad stuff on one side, and then he's going to pile all your good stuff on the other side. And as long as the good, it doesn't, like it's just small, as long as the good outweighs the, the bad, then God's going to kind of cock his head to the side and be like, all right, you're in, right? 51%, you made it. It was close. But you made it. You, you did more good things than you did bad things, and so there's no way that God would keep you out. There's no way that God wouldn't love you or accept you as long as you did just at least one more good thing than bad thing. And most people will just tell you, I'm a good person. That's, how, that's my innocence. That's how God's going to love me and accept me. I've done some, some good things. Surely, outweighs the bad things in my life. Let me share with you what Romans chapter 3 says about this. This is, this is good news for people that like to follow rules. Check this out. But now, God has shown us a way to be made right with Him. How do you get right with God? How do you make yourself innocent in front of God? He has given us a way to be made right with Him. Listen to this, good news. Without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. I'm going to be honest, that's good news. I'm a rule breaker, okay? There's a way that we can be right with God without having to jump through a bunch of hoops and follow a bunch of rules 
I'm in, right? I don't, I don't want to live that life. It sounds like a horrible life to try to just try to do enough good before you die, to constantly be worried about, have I done enough? Does God love me enough? Have I impressed Him enough? Does my good outweigh my bad? Have I followed enough rules? That sounds like a terrible life. Here it says, you don't have to do that. That's not how you're made right with God. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Good news. No matter who you are, if you've got a bunch of bad, terrible baggage stuff decisions that you made, or if you've got a bunch of great things that you made, great decisions, great things that you've done for people, Scripture says it doesn't matter who you are. Faith in Jesus means that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved regardless of, of what you've done in the past. If you're here and you've got a checkered past and have made some mistakes like I have, that's good news. And this, this is great news. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God freely and graciously declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sins. People that are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Not, not people are made right with God if they behave. Not people are made right with God if they do a bunch of good stuff and are a nice person. No, nah, it says people are made right with God by believing in Jesus Christ, placing our faith in him. Verse 27, Here, here's, here's the thing about people that are good and, and people that claim that they're good. They like to kind of brag about that. They like to, to say, yeah, of course, of course, God's going to love me. Of course, I'm accepted. Of course, I'm going to heaven. Like, I'm good. Do you know everything I've done? You're, like, I'm a generous person. I'm a good person. I'm a loving. I'm kind. Here's what verse 27 says. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. That's great news. It's not a rule book. Like, God is not interested in you jumping through a bunch of religious hoops. He's not, like, up here with a list saying, well, I'm going to check all these things off, and if by the time you die you get them all checked off, then you're good, and you haven't done a bunch of stuff on this other sheet. Nah. It just makes it clear. It's faith in Jesus. Jesus Christ was the acquittal of our sins. We don't take the punishment for it. Jesus does. Faith in Jesus. And maybe you know someone, maybe that's you, that you're just counting on being good enough to earn some favor from God and to stand in front of God one day and be able to plead your case and say, God, check out the scales. I was good enough. The second thing is, is this. A lot of people will say, I'm going to stand in front of God and God is going to allow me to, to spend eternity with him and I'm good, I'm innocent in front of God because, number two, I've spent my whole life being religious. Being religious. Uh, I've gone to church my whole life. Like my name's been on the roll since I was born. Uh, I was baptized. I give. When I go to church, I give. Um, I serve at a church. I'm a member of an, a group that meets. Come on, man. I'm moving past Sunday even. Look at all I've done. I read my Bible. You know I read my Bible? I pray, not just before every meal, but other times too. I'm religious. There's no way that God sends a religious person outside of him. Like, God knows all this time that I've spent in church. And maybe, maybe that's even the reason why you're here today. Maybe you felt guilty a little bit because you haven't been to church in a long time. So you're like, oh, man, I need to impress God. So 
let me be religious, let me attend church, maybe even brought some money with you to give in the offering basket, check that box off too, right? I'm going to pray, I'm going to sing, I'm going to listen, I even brought my Bible today, that's awesome. I'm, I'm really, surely God wouldn't, wouldn't look down on a person like that. Surely I'm innocent in His eyes. I'm just, I'm good and I'm religious, I'm a churchy, God loves churchy people, right? I'm churchy. 1 Timothy 2, 4 and 5 says this, God who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. That's good news. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth of the gospel. Here's what he says in verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator, one lawyer, one translator, one arbiter between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. One way, not being good, not being religious, one way. And I know some people that'll push back on that. They're like, Nathan, don't you think that's a little closed-minded? Like, one way, don't you feel like you're being kind of a, a little bit exclusive? I'm like, dude, aren't you just glad we got one way? Like, why do you want a hundred ways? We got one way, dude. One way. I don't want to be separated from God. I don't want to bear the own punishment for my sin. Like, praise God, we got one way. Praise God that he said, hey, I'm not going to leave you dead in your own sin, that I'm going to give you a way. Like, praise God. We're worried about that there's not two ways. Dude, there's a way. And his name's Jesus, and you can choose him today. It's not being good. It's not being religious. It's not going to church. It's not trying to make sure that by the end of your life you're 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 sort of kind of clear on whether or not you've done enough to gain the favor of God. He says there's one way, there's one lawyer between God and man. Can I tell you something about that though? Like if I've got to choose to have a mediator between me and God, God being the judge, I'm going to choose the judge's son. Are you feeling me? It's a good lawyer to have, right? (laughs) Come on. Like I want him arguing my case. I want God the son arguing my innocence to God the father. I want that level of intimacy, and that's the opportunity we're presented here. One lawyer, and it's not just any lawyer, it's the Son of God that will argue your innocence to the Father. Good news, man. It's good news. The third thing may be the most dangerous. Um, maybe you think, well, Nathan, I, like, I'm not good. I'll tell you that, right? <laughs> I'm not religious. Uh, I haven't gone to church my whole life. I don't own a Bible. I don't read it ever. I don't pray. I don't even know. I, I came in here to play in the Children's Museum today, and I have no idea what's going on here. I just walked into this room. Maybe, maybe that's you. And the third, the third thing that people often give, the third reason why they'll be innocent in front of God is this. Uh, my whole life, uh, I lived a life of being sincere. I'm a sincere person, Nathan. I may not have always made the right choices, but I tried my best. You know what? Maybe I chose the wrong God. Maybe I didn't accept Jesus. Maybe I ignored it. Maybe I put it off. Maybe I convinced myself of some other things. But you know what, Nathan? I tried. A for effort. And God looks down on that and says, good. Good. At least you tried. You know what? You were totally wrong. (laughs) But at least you put some effort. At least you tried. i got to commend you for it. Come on in eternity with me for the rest of your life because you sincerely gave it your all. Some people believe that. You know when I got pulled over by that officer, I told him. I was like, new here into the city, I I think it just changed from 55 to 45. I think it just changed. 
And when he told me eight miles ago, I said, like, I still, like, I, I thought that it just changed. He believed me. He's like, I think you're sincere. I'm not saying that you didn't believe that it just changed 500 feet ago. I'm just telling you you're wrong. And here's your ticket. <laughs> like, if you think you're going to stand in front of God one day and say, I seriously, I did not, I, I, I'm sorry, but like, I, I heard this guy talk about this Jesus guy one time, and he, but I didn't know, man. I didn't know that was real. I didn't know I had to make the decision that, t- that time. I thought I'd have a long time. Do you think God's really going to look at you and say, well, your heart was behind it. I think I'll let this one slide. No. Man, who knows, man? Hell may be filled with sincere people. Because sincerity has nothing to do with your eternity. It's about Jesus. It's not about what church you went to. It's not about how good you are. It's not about have you done enough good things to impress God. It's not whether you pursued whatever path you on with just 100% abandonment, wholehearted sincerity. No. One God, one mediator, one way to get to him, and that's Jesus. One way to the Father. And when you stand in front of God one day and you realize that you have to build a case for your own innocence, what are you going to say? What are you going to bring up? How are you going to argue that point? If you haven't already had a desire like this, I bet on that day you'll echo Job and say, I wish I had a lawyer. I wish I had someone that knew what he was doing. I wish I could have someone that I could just take this ticket and give it to him and and for the lawyer to say, you know what, it's fine, I'll take care of it. You don't have to pay the price. You don't have to go to court. You don't have to bear the consequences. I'll take care of it. If you haven't already asked yourself that question, I'd beg you to wrestle with it right now. Do you know what happens when you stand in front of God one day and you give an account for your life? And are you banking on the fact that you've been good enough? I can't imagine how unpeaceful of a life that is. When you get to the end and maybe you're on your deathbed and you're worried about whether or not you've done enough to impress God, and the the sad fact about that is you'll never know until it's too late. You'll never know until you stand up and Realize that you didn't do enough. Scripture actually tells us how we can have a peace about that question. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God the judge and us, the guilty party, but through Jesus, the translator, the mediator, the lawyer, we can have peace with God. Because we give our sin to him. And he says, I got it. Paid for it. Taken care of it. Freedom's yours. The judge is going to give me the punishment. I'll take care of that. I'll be your translator. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right through Jesus Christ. That's that language again. Made right. How can a man be made? Job is begging, praying, asking, seeking. How can a man be made right in front of God? I got good news. New Testament says Jesus. 
That's how you and I can be made right. God never answered Job's question because he hadn't sent the Savior into the world yet. Jesus. What happens one day when you stand in front of God and realize that there's only one mediator between you and the Father? One way to be reconciled. One way for you to be proven innocent in front of Him. Believing. Scripture says this, just believe. Just believe in Jesus. Believing that Jesus is who He says He is and that He did what he said he did for you and for me, the forgiveness of sins, man, that's it. You believe in him. He doesn't say believe in him and you have to do a bunch of other stuff. No, scripture says just believe. That can be you, man. You can move from being good to just believe today. You can move from following rules to just believe today. You can move from I have no idea and no peace to just believe today. You can move from, but seriously, I was sincere about it. I hope that works, to just believe. That's what Scripture says. All you got to do, just believe. Jesus changes your life just like that. If you're here today, and, and maybe you fall into one of those three categories, you're, you're trying to be good, you're trying to be religious, or you're just, or you're just trying to, to be real, you got an opportunity today to change your eternity. You got an opportunity to accept the gift. I can't make you accept it. I can't accept it for you. Here's, here's what God says. Here's a mediator. One way to connect you and I. You can choose it or not. But your eternity hangs in the balance. And your innocence before God hinges on one question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Man, I hope if you're ready to take that next step today, we would love to help you. Someone on our pastoral team would love to reach out to you this week. All you have to do is check a box. The connection card when you walked in, there's a little box that just says, I made a decision for Christ. Check that box. Leave us your email or phone number or whatever. We'll get in touch with you this week. Answer any questions. Talk to you about how you can have the peace to know that you are right with God. Nothing else you have to do. Let me challenge you here as well. If you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, let me remind you of who you are. Let me remind you of who you used to be. Let me remind you of what Jesus has done for you. And let me remind you of what he has called us to do. You are nothing but a beggar telling other beggars where to find the bread. People that are far from God that need to know where the mediator is. You and I have the answer. Let's tell the other beggars where to find the bread.